Moody and Commissioner Lanier. There's Commissioner Moody. How are you doing tonight? All right. Just give it one more moment for Commissioner Lanier to sign on and uh, join us, and then we'll get started. See some of our guests are, are with us. All right. Joel, do you know, is uh, Commissioner Lanier, has she reached out to you? Um, she has not. Okay. We can't text. No, I don't see her either. I just want to make sure she's not having problems getting on. Mr. Ipple, can you turn off your uh, camera for us, please? Thanks. <clears throat> All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. I'm uh, assuming she'll join us momentarily, um, but it is now 7.01, so uh, we'll call this meeting to order, and we'll start our evening with a moment of silence before we move to Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Now, if you join me in standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Next, we'll do roll call. Commissioner Jones? I am here. Commissioner O'Connor? Present. Commissioner Isasi? Present. Commissioner Ruppart? Here. Commissioner Moody? Present. Mayor Bliss? Yes. Thank you. And I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll um, see if I can get a hold of Commissioner Lanier. Okay, thank you. Uh, and then, uh, commissioners, before I turn it over to Ms. Lily Beth to provide some information about translation services, uh, just want to draw your attention. We have a number of public hearings tonight, so we'll have our first opportunity for public uh, comments on action items, agenda items that we're actually voting on tonight. We do have a number of scheduled public hearings. Uh, so we have a public hearing to consider a Brownfield Plan Amendment for 1601 Madison. Uh, then we have uh, three public hearings on establishing an industrial development district uh, and facilities exemption certificate for uh, 400 Monroe Avenue Northwest, which is the Perigo uh, development. And what I'd like to do is to have those three public hearings held together. Uh, and I mentioned that this morning at Cow. And then the Last one is public hearing to consider zoning ordinance tax amendments affecting the traditional business area and commercial zone districts. And then we'll have our last opportunity for public comment. So if you are interested in speaking on one of those items, I'm gonna ask you to hold off for the scheduled public hearings to speak until those are opened up. Uh, to call in with public comment, you can call 311 or 456-3000, hit number one. Uh, first opportunity for public comment, you'll hit number one after that. Uh, and then you'll hit number two for the 1601 Madison, three for the 400 Monroe Avenue, uh, four for the uh, tax amendments, and then five for the last opportunity for public comment. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over and introduce uh, Lila Beth to uh, provide that information and give information about translation services if that is needed. Thank you, Mayor Bliss. Good evening, everyone. If you need interpretation services to address the city commission, I will be able to assist. Please dial 456-3000 
or 311 and choose the option you'd wish to speak on tonight. Buenas noches. Si necesita servicios de interpretación para dirigirse a la Comisión de la Ciudad, estar disponible para ayudarle. Marque el 4563000 o el 311 y elija la opción en la que desea comentar esta noche. Gracias. Thank you. All right, commissioners, that will take us to our first opportunity for public comment. So this public comment period is only for comments on items that we are voting on tonight. So there uh, we had actually a number of standing committee meetings this morning with full agendas and those agenda items are listed in our agenda. Uh, so the uh, expectations for public comment is that you share your name, the city that you live in, you'll be given up to three minutes to speak. This first opportunity, we ask that you be very uh, specific about what action item that we're voting on that you wish to speak to. Uh, and then uh, we'll give you that opportunity. We also ask that you are respectful of the rules and that you refrain from using any derogatory uh, or inflammatory language. Uh, so with that, I'll open up this first opportunity for public comment and I'll see, I'll ask Daniel if we have anyone in the queue. Thank you, Mayor. This is Doug. Daniel's having trouble getting connected, so I'll, well, I'll go ahead and connect the first caller. Thank you, Doug. Oh, actually, there are no there are no callers in this this queue. Okay. Thank you, Doug. Hopefully, Daniel will be able to to join us. Um, so with that, I'm going to close that opportunity. Sorry, sorry, Mayor. Can we just give it like ten more seconds, just to? I just want to make sure that we didn't have it with a delay. Thanks, Joel. All right, Doug, anyone join us? Uh, no, there, there's no one in the queue. Okay, thank you. Then I'll go ahead and close that public comment period and that will take us to our next item and that is approval of our minutes. And this is from our last meeting in December. Can I get a motion? So moved. So moved. All right, thank you. Moved and supported. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, I'll turn to our city clerk to call for the vote. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Stassi? Yes. Commissioner Rappart? Yes. Commissioner Lanier? Aye. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. Uh, next, that will take us to petitions and communications. Yep, the first one is communications. There are 384 received regarding homelessness in Grand Rapids. That is received and filed. Communication received from Landon Bartley, um, Proxima Collective, expressing support for the proposed zoning ordinance amendments affecting the traditional business area and commercial zone districts. That is received and filed. And communication received from Laura Masoki, emphasizing the importance of low-income housing for Grand Rapids residents. And that is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to reports of city officers. The first one is the Comptroller's Fund's monthly reporting as of November 30, 2020. That is received and filed. Comptroller's report for the period of December 2, 2020 through December 29, 2020 in the amount of $32,226,000 Sorry, let me start that again. $32,226,998.35. That is received and filed. And treasurer's report for the period of November 28, 2020 through December 28, 2020. 
and that is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. So our consent agenda are items that we voted on earlier today in one of our standing committee meetings where there was a unanimous vote from this body. And so tonight with one voice vote, we'll adopt those items. Can I get a motion for the consent agenda? So moved. Support. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, seeing none, I'll turn to the city clerk to call for the vote. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Estasi? Yes. Commissioner Repart? Yes. Commissioner Lanier? Aye. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. All right, commissioners, that will take us to our ordinances to be adopted, and we have one ordinance before us tonight. It is an ordinance amending section one of the budget ordinance 2020-15 for fiscal year 2021, amendment number 11. All right. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioner O'Connor from our fiscal committee, you wanna tell us about this item? Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Uh, just four items on here tonight. Um, first one is just uh, the alignment of some major and local street funding. It's really just an accounting function. Uh, item two is some good news. Uh, it's an additional uh, money that we were able to collect from the uh, gas and weight tax. Uh, we had uh, anticipated lower revenues because of uh, the uh, COVID, but people are out there driving around. So we were able to capture some additional uh, funding of $1.2 million for that. Um, we're recognizing uh, and appropriating some revenue for the ecliptic at uh, Rosa Park Circle for the work that's being done to, to uh, update that. And then finally is a, uh, an expenditure of $2.3 million for the relocation of the east side sewer trunk line, which runs down Market Avenue currently, uh, that will help us uh, facilitate the uh, transaction that's going to take place along the riverfront. Great. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right. Seeing none, I'll turn to our city clerk to call the question. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Stassi? Yes. Commissioner Ruppert. Yes. Commissioner Lanier. Aye. Commissioner Jones. Yes. Commissioner O'Connor. Yes. Mayor Bliss. Yes, it carries. And commissioners, can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? So moved. All right, moved and supported. City Clerk, can you call the question? Commissioner Isasi. Yes. Commissioner Ruppert. Yes. Commissioner Lanier. Aye. Commissioner Jones. Yes. Commissioner O'Connor. Yes. Commissioner Moody. Yes. Mayor Bliss. Yes, it carries, thank you. All right, commissioners, next that will take us to our scheduled public hearings. And as indicated, we'll have three tonight. Um, the first one is a public hearing to consider a Brownfield plan amendment to or for 1601 Madison LLC redevelopment project located at 1601 Madison Avenue Southeast. Uh, notice of this public hearing was made pursuant to state law. Um, so what we'll do to get us started is I will invite Mr. Gracia from our economic development department. Uh, oh, it looks like Mr. Kluster is joining us. So I'll turn it over to Mr. Kluster to give us some background on this. Uh, and I see we have a couple guests who've joined us. I believe Mr. Ippel and Mr. Edwards is with us. Uh, they can share some additional details if they like. Uh, I'll see if you have any questions, then then we'll open it up for public comment. Again, if you wanna be heard on this item, you can call 456-3000 or 311, hit number one and then number two. Uh, so Mr. Kluster. Thank you. Good evening. 
uh, Mayor and Commissioners. Um, I think Mr. Canfield is on the ball and pulling up the presentation here. Um, I'm going to walk through a couple slides here to provide an overview of the site plan and the redevelopment. And I do, as the mayor pointed out, have a couple guests with me tonight, and I'll introduce them in a second. So um, next slide, please, Mr. Canfield. The site itself is a, a 10 acre site uh, in size. I'm sure you're all familiar with the property. Um, it is just south of Cottage Grove on Madison Avenue, just sort of south and across the street from the Center for Community Transformation. The property does have about a hundred year history of various manufacturing operations, and it currently contains a 250,000 square foot building that was constructed over multiple phases and multiple time periods. And it's been vacant um, for about five years and underutilized before that. Due to the history of the property, as you might imagine, it has significant environmental and infrastructure challenges associated with the redevelopment. Um, next slide, please. So the project that you're going to hear about tonight is a partnership proposed um, between Amplify GR and Rockford Construction. In order to really even get started on redeveloping this property, there's about $2.2 million of demolition, cleanup, um, and site infrastructure improvements that are necessary. That will include street and landscaping uh, improvements, as well as enhancement to and relocation of an existing bus stop. Uh, which is being conducted in coordination with both the Rapid and Mobile GR. You see that on the upper right-hand side of your screen there. Once that $2.2 million of work has been completed and the site's been cleared and is ready for development, phase one of the project will occur on the northwest, or sorry, northeast corner of the site, um, shown in green there. That's approximately three acres of the 10-acre overall site. And in that location, the developer plans to construct a 60,000 square foot uh, industrial and office building. This type of facility, which is majority industrial, is consistent with the requirements of the, uh, the industrial flex zone district, which you'll recall was a zone district created through the Southtown business area specific plan property. Um, next slide, please. So there is ongoing work to secure a tenant for the site, which would uh, result um, in 95 new jobs for the city. 69 of those jobs would be transferred existing employees um, from outside of the city, and 26 of them would be new. As Amplify has done um, and continues to do, they do work with their partners, uh, including potential tenants, to prioritize hiring from the neighborhoods in which they're working. In this case, the target for this project is that 30% of the new um, jobs created would be um, filled by residents from the 49507 zip code. And these jobs would be created in positions where there is opportunity for skill and job development in high demand careers. The wages, um, you'll see the overall average wage shown there of $21.57 per hour. The wages do range from $18.50 to about $33.50 an hour. Um, and that, with the number of jobs and those wages, that would uh, at, result in approximately $42,000 of new city income tax on an annual basis. Overall investment in the, in the cleanup of the site and the development, that first phase of development is about $12.5 million, with $8.5 million of that being hard construction costs for the new facility. The developer has committed to the outcomes um, we've set forth in our inclusion plan for economic development incentives 
and in this instance has set a uh, what we believe is an aggressive goal of 30% of the construction contracted value being awarded to minority business enterprises, women-owned business enterprises, and in this case, uh, 49507-based uh, business construction firms. So there is a plan um, to accomplish that. In brief, it, it includes enhanced solicitation and outreach practices, ensuring that targeted firms are provided with and prepared for the opportunity to bid. It will involve contract debundling and segmentation, extending materials, discounts, and other efforts to achieve that outcome, all with um, ongoing reporting to ensure um, compliance with that. Before handing it over to Mr. Ippel, I do want to provide a little context on the on the request here for the $2.2 million from the Brownfield Redevelopment Authority. The Brownfield program is really meant to encourage and support urban development, and in particular, to overcome the financial barriers to redeveloping properties like this one. So I talked about the, the $2.2 million of costs. So $1.2 million of that is for environmental activities, including investigation, vapor mitigation, removal of contaminated soil, and then there's an additional million dollars of, of what we would call in the brownfield world non-environmental activities. So that includes the demolition of that um, 250,000 square foot building and the lead and asbestos abatement that would need to occur before that. Public infrastructure improvements and excavation of you know, buried debris and foundations that are out there. The Brownfield program is a performance-based incentive, meaning that the investment is, is a required component of the project. And so that investment is what generates the new taxes that are used to reimburse for those costs. Um, and just quickly, because of the phased approach and the overall size of this project, we do anticipate that the Brownfield Authority will make an investment through its local Brownfield Revolving Fund as well. So I know I've covered a lot there, but there is a lot to cover with this project. And I um, will turn it over now uh, briefly to Mr. Ippel from Amplify, and I believe Mr. Edwards is on the call as well from Rockford Development. Great. Thank you, Mr. Kluster. Mr. Ippel? Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, good evening uh, and good evening, uh, City Commissioners. Uh, we are extremely excited about this project uh, because we think it hits a uh, variety of different notes uh, as it relates to the City's uh, equitable economic development plan um, as well as the, the Southtown business area specific plan. So as several of you know, this is a, a catalytic project that really um, is a pretty significantly complex and uh, piece of property in the southeast part of Grand Rapids. Um, and as Jenna mentioned, uh, it has a lot of uh, different environmental conditions that have made uh, really uh, reactivating the space uh, a very difficult proposition. But we're excited uh, that this is going to bring uh, nearly 100 jobs uh, back into the neighborhood. Uh, and with that, um, we're hopeful that this is the first of many more uh, employers that are really committed to the same thing, uh, committed to uh, local hiring, uh, committed to intentional purchasing uh, within the Southtown neighborhood. And so as we think about um, how these types of employers or employers are going to help um, other local business opportunities, such as restaurants, um, uh, we think that this is, uh, is going to be a significant step uh, into the reactivation uh, of that uh, cottage grove area. So uh, lastly, I think we're uh, extremely uh, uh, excited about uh, the employer that, that will hopefully be moving in uh, that, that uh, is also committed and has a track record uh, to workforce development and taking people uh, that don't necessarily have skills in the technology field, uh, but really working with them to advance them in, in 
and high growth, uh, high tech uh, profession. And so uh, we're excited to bring that that type of employer into the cottage growth neighborhood as well. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Jeff Edwards. Thank you, John. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Um, I, I don't have too much more to add. I, I think John O and John did a great job uh, covering all the all the aspects of the project. But I, I just would like to reemphasize that removing this 250,000 square foot structure is such a huge, uh, important first step in in really uh, beginning the process for restoration and removing the blight and and some of the health and safety environmental concerns that have lingered from, again, over 100 years of manufacturing legacy. So we're very excited to, to kick off that process this spring. And um, with that, if, if there's any additional questions related to background or um, the Brownfield plan activities or costs, uh, happy to answer any of those questions. Great. Thank you, Mr. Edwards. Uh, commissioners, any questions for uh, any of our, either of our guests or Mr. Kluster tonight? Uh, Commissioner Lanier and then Commissioner Moody. Thank you so much for the presentation, um, gentlemen. Um, I'm, John, if you could speak to the engagement that has surrounded um, this property. I know we've been talking about um, efforts um, for this property for some time now, so it would be great to kind of hear a little bit of that history um, prior to the public hearing so that the public is aware of all of the work that's gone into engaging at the business district level as well as the neighborhood. And um, thank you for your reference to the business area specific plan. Um, I remember this property in particular as we were discussing um, um, future development and um, which is part of why it was um, proposed to, to that um, industrial flex um, uh, zoning um, category at that time, which didn't exist, but we were looking at, you know, how do we plan for the future by um, creating jobs um, in an area, but not necessarily industrial um, um, position. So if you could just talk about the engagement. I think that's important to hear now. Great, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, Commissioner, uh, thank you for your leadership, because I think this is one of those great examples of, of projects that would have been a little bit more difficult uh, with the, the the older iteration of the industrial zone. Um, and so I think this just shows how, you know, as uh, manufacturing and industry changes, a perfect example of, of the type of work that we, um, we hope to see in the future. Um, as it relates to the engagement, um, we have engaged in a variety of different levels over the last couple of years. Um, so the, the two most recent uh, 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 engagement opportunities were we met with uh, the Madison Square Business District um, as well as the Madison Square Partners uh, Group. And so those are two different groups that we engaged with in the last uh, two to three months to, to kind of further explain uh, this project. Uh, and prior to that, uh, we did some door-to-door um, -door, uh, work uh, just south on Montgomery Avenue. Um, to explain to folks some of the remediation uh, that was going on. And I think quite frankly, just a lot of positive feedback of, of wanting to know when the jobs uh, were coming. And so there was uh, quite a bit of uh, excitement of the folks that live uh, directly to the south of, um, of the 1601 Madison site. And so, and certainly over the, the last several years have done extensive uh, broader uh, neighborhood engagement uh, that really helped lift some of these things in terms of local hiring requirements, livable wages, commitments to workforce development, et cetera. And so uh, we're excited that, uh, as we mentioned, that this organization is really committed to those to those uh, values as well. 
Thank you. I'll add my thanks. Thank to yeah, thank you, Commissioner Lanier, and thanks for all of your work on this as well. I appreciate that. Uh, and Commissioner Moody? Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, just one important thing that I wanted to point out, and that's I want to thank John for his uh, endurance and sticking with this project. And I believe especially that it is going to enhance the uh, third ward uh, tremendously. The other thing too, is that um, I know that you are looking at the possibility of creating 26 new jobs uh, and that 60, I think it says 69 jobs will be carried over uh, with this new development. Is there any extra room in the future for that 26 to be increased? Yes, and I, th I think in two ways. So one is, is as employees uh, uh, turn over, certainly that 30% goal uh, will apply to any additional new hires. You know, so even within that 65 existing, um, the goals would apply to them. And then absolutely, I think that the, the, the company continues to signify uh, uh, continued growth uh, in the West Michigan area. And I think, you know, future opportunities to grow that uh, beyond the initial 95 employees. And so, uh, so we're uh, hopeful that, that, that this will continue to track in that way that that's going to allow for more jobs. I think the other thing just to point out that we didn't um, specifically mention commissioner earlier too, is that uh, this will be the first project uh, as relates to uh, construction employment opportunities too, uh, that I know you and I have talked about. So uh, this will be the first one where we begin to pilot uh, more uh, direct connection and, and pathways for folks to get involved in the construction industry as well. And so, Look forward to more conversations on, on that element of, of workforce opportunities. Now, when we had our conversations and talking, we talked about, I know you mentioned the word folks, but I want to point out, we talked about minority businesses, minority contractors, and that was one of the key things that I was uh, talking with you about. I wanted to make sure that in that third ward that that does happen. Um, I, like I said, I'm excited about what you're doing. You and I have had a lot of long talks. I appreciate those talks, but you know, one of my key pet peeves was if you're going to come into the community and get the community engaged, hire the people in the community and hire those who have the skills. And that is something that I hope you guys are discussing and talking about right now. Thank you, Commissioner. Absolutely. All right. Thank you both. Uh, any other questions or comments? All right, seeing none, I'll open up this opportunity for public comment. Again, you can call 456-3000 or 311, hit number one, and then number two. Uh, is, is Daniel with us? Yes, yes, thank you, Mayor. There are currently no callers in the queue. Okay, we'll give it, uh, I'll look at my clock here and we'll give it a, a few seconds. All right, Daniel, anyone in the queue? No, ma'am. Okay, we'll go ahead and close that opportunity for public comment and we'll refer back to Mayor, Mayor, I'm sorry. Can we give it just to like 10 more seconds? I'm watching YouTube to see when it catches up. Okay. Because the call-in prompt just came up. Great job, Joel, at you know, keeping us on task with what's happening on Facebook Live. Got yeah, lots of things going. Okay. All right, Daniel, is there anyone in the queue? There. Okay, we'll go ahead and close that public hearing uh, and public comment, and we'll move on to our next item. So thank you all for joining us tonight.
All right, commissioners, uh, with your uh, support and approval, I'll go ahead and read the next three at the same time. Uh, and we can add those three public hearings all together in one. So uh, the next three public hearings are related to the same project. So it's a public hearing to consider establishment of an industrial development district pursuant to PA 198 of 1974 for Perigo Company located at 400 Monroe Avenue Northwest. And then a couple companion items, a public hearing to consider an application for a 12 year industrial facilities exemption certificate pursuant to PA 198 of 1974 for the same project, Perigo Company at 400 Monroe Avenue Northwest. And then a public hearing to consider an application for a 12 year new personal property exemption certificate under PA 328 of 1998 for Perigo Company at 400 Monroe Avenue Northwest. Um, so I'll uh, uh, notice of these public hearings have been made pursuant to state law. Uh, similarly, uh, as last time, I'll turn this over to our economic development director, Mr. Gracia, to start off. And then I know we have two guests tonight. So we have Mr. Janish, I believe, and uh, Birgit Close. Uh, so, Mr. Gracia, you want to get us started? Yes, if Mr. Canfield could pull up uh, the few slides, please. Thank you. So, the public hearing tonight is related to the, the um, uh, project for El Perigo Company to establish its North American headquarters at the MSU uh, Grand Rapids Innovation Park, otherwise known as MSU GRIP. So, next slide, please. What's, I want to give you some context of all the other surrounding development that was important to um, getting the attention of the company here and the planned vision for this park and the continued investment and how it allowed us to be competitive in the process, but more importantly now realize the, um, the gains of our investment and vision and uh, securing this uh, North American headquarters. So again, this is here on the corner of Michigan Street and Monroe Avenue. And that MSU Grand Rapids Innovation Park has a vision to, to create this healthcare innovation hub that on the medical mile, right? And so there are, this is the third building that will be constructed on this um, GRIP campus. Um, the current building at the corner of Michigan Row is known as the Grand Rapids Research Center. And then currently under construction is the Doug Meyer Medical Innovation Building, which is expected to be completed um, this year. And just those two alone are over $140 million worth of investment. So this is an additional uh, building that is yet to be constructed. So on the map there, you'll see where it says future development to the left of the parking deck. And this uh, represents the area where this um, 10 story, $37.5 million, uh, well, the investment part of Paragos will be $37.5 million and construction to commence in February, 2021 and take a little over a year and a half and then uh, result in 150 new jobs to Grand Rapids. Next slide, please. So again, as I mentioned earlier, this is the medical model continues to develop, to develop with a critical role in uh, helping secure healthcare research and innovation. And so you'll hear from Mr. Yanish here more about how their company specifically fits into that. But before us is this 12 year performance-based tax exemption, both on real and personal property. Now, I must note, these are performance-based incentives. So this is, it requires the company to make the investment. It is not uh, guaranteed. It is based on the, the uh, job commitments and investments that we'll talk about here. So again, constructing a 10-story, 127,000-square-foot liner building, again, commencing in February 21 and expected completion of May of 22, 
and Perigo will locate its North American headquarters in approximately half of that space that encompasses floors eight through 10 and under a 15 year commitment. So there's a 12 year performance-based incentive, but the company has actually committed to a longer term of 15 years. So again, it's a $34.5 million uh, construction cost and $3 million of personal property that will result in an estimated $1.1 million of new property tax to the city over the lease term. Now, that also will bring 150 new jobs to this location at uh, Monroe. 100 of those existing employees will come from uh, Western Michigan, essentially, and transfer to the downtown location, and then another commitment of 50 new positions uh, related to this uh, location. And that alone will also result in a city income tax of over $1.5 million. Now, those jobs that they were hiring, you can see those categories listed there. Um, the wages will be, you know, again, we go from $25 to $53 an hour with that average wage being about $31.56 per hour or approximately $65,500 $65, annually. So again, the city's net over this term will be $2.6 million as it relates to the investments. So I'm going to allow Mr. Gannis to talk more about the investment and why they selected and the competitive process they went through and also Birgit in the right place talk a little about her partnership and her team in helping us secure this um, North American hacker. So, uh, Mr. Yanish, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you very much. Can uh, everybody hear me okay? And see me good. So first of all, thank you very much. Good evening. I appreciate the, the opportunity to come and talk to everybody about a project that is really generated a lot of excitement within Perigo and hopefully within the city of Grand Rapids as well. Um, before I talk about the project uh, in general, I thought I might give a little bit of background for Perigo, um, the company, for those of you that don't know, Perigo was actually founded here in Southwest Michigan back in 1887. So we've been around for a while here in Southwest Michigan. We're a fairly large manufacturer of private label, over-the-counter pharmaceuticals and, and branded self-care products with our annual sales approaching roughly 5 billion a year uh, at the moment. Globally, we employ about 11,000 people, um, but in Southwest Michigan alone, we have over 4,000 of those employees. So the Southwest Michigan area is by far um, one of our most key locations for us as an organization, which makes sense given this is where we were founded. You know, in fact, our, our manufacturing facility in Allegan specifically is still by far the company's largest manufacturing operation today, representing uh, a little over half of all of the global products that we manufacture come out of the facility um, in Allegan, Michigan today. So very key to us. Now, while we've been a part of the West Michigan community for a long, long time, 133 years, our past has primarily been uh, that of a healthcare focused organization. But in recent years, we've embarked on a transformation to, to change ourselves into a broader consumer self-care company, which is expanding the segments that we can actually participate in. And as a result, it's opening up a lot of different opportunities for us. And frankly, it's this transformation that played a key role in us ultimately uh, coming to the conclusion that we need to establish a North American corporate headquarters that we ultimately selected Grand Rapids to be the location for. Um, now I'll step into the project itself and go back to late 2019. This project actually got kicked off 
um, primarily because of a need for space. Perigo has continued to grow, and as a result of that growth, we had outgrown all of the space that we had in the Southwest Michigan area, so we embarked on a search for more space. As we were looking at the, our needs for space and what we truly require to support our future growth, we realized that space in a more urban environment was going to be better suited to helping us realize um, our future growth as an organization. Not only was it going to be able to give us a platform for establishing um, the headquarters that we were looking for, but frankly, it was also going to be able to uh, enhance our ability to, to attract a a more diverse applicant pool, frankly, as well as to attract some of the skill sets that we know that we're going to need um, for our future success. Things that were not in the past as critical to Perigo, like e-commerce and digital and branded marketing, things that were not core to our past, but will be, be very important to our future. And our goal is that by locating in an urban environment, and in particular Grand Rapids, that we're gonna be able to attract as many of those individuals from the, the local communities as possible. Now, for a variety of reasons, we actually looked at three different locations for establishing the center, um, in addition to Grand Rapids, which uh, is logical because it's right in our own backyard. We also looked at Chicago and Southwest Florida. In the end, ultimately, it was Grand Rapids that gave us not only that desired urban setting that we were looking for, but a, a tremendously skilled applicant pool. Um, but in addition to that, it also um, helped us to further solidify our commitment to Southwest Michigan so that we can bring all those new jobs that we're going to create with our growth um, right here into our own backyard. Now, I'd also say that in reality, it was the work that Grand Rapids did or has been doing over the last several years, establishing itself as a, a kind of a world-class life science and healthcare destination, coupled with the work that, that MSU specifically was doing in the self-care space and in establishing the Grand Rapids Innovation Park, that ultimately made it a very easy decision for us. So what Grand Rapids has to offer, frankly, is going to allow us to easily tap into a whole array of healthcare and innovation thought leaders that are right here in our own backyard. Um, much like if anybody saw the announcement yesterday where we announced a formal partnership with MSU where we are gonna focus on accelerating progress in the area of self-care innovation that just was announced yesterday. So. Um, it took a tremendous amount of collaboration to get to where we are today, and I'd be remiss if I don't thank everybody that was involved. It was not just the city of Grand Rapids, but also the MEDC, the governor's office, Burgett in the right place played a key role, Rockford Construction, CBRE, West Michigan Works. Everybody played a role in this and helping us get to the point that we are right now, but we're really, really excited about the opportunity to build a premier North American headquarters right here in our backyard in downtown Grand Rapids. Um, you heard Mr. Gracia talk about the actual specifics of the project. I'm not gonna go through a lot more detail, but you know, again, it's, it's a to be built building. Um, we were talking earlier about 400 Monroe. I, thought, I think it's 430 Monroe. I think we're gonna change the actual street number, but in the end, um, it's gonna be a 10 floor building. We're gonna take the top three floors, but because of the layout of the building, that actually represents half of the total square footage. Construction is slated to start here this winter yet, and hopefully we'll be moving in by the middle of next year. And we're really excited about it. So with that, I think I'll turn it back to Mr. Grassi or to Burgett. I think Burgett wanted to say a few words and I'll answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Yeah, let's turn to uh, Ms. Burgett-Klaus. Uh, can you all hear me? 
We can. Okay, because I've been having technical difficulties. So if I go mute on you, um, it's my, my WebEx connection. But anyway, um, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Jeremiah, and, and most especially the commission, of course, and as well as the company. Um, I've always said economic development is a team sport, and this was a great, great team. Obviously, Perigo uh, giving us the opportunity to um, to pitch our community and to make our case. Um, the city, the MEDC, Rockford Construction, the right place, and MSU, of course, and it, it turned out to be a great team to make our case. As Ron mentioned, we competed with two major regions of the country, Chicago and, uh, and Southwest Florida, and um, we made it. And I think that's kudos to that entire team, but especially to Perigo, like I said, who gave us the opportunity. And Ron touched on it. What has happened over the past 20 years with respect to Medical Mile really, really played a huge role in, in the decision that the company made. The ecosystem that has grown up uh, on the mile and going north now on Monroe is, is now the 10th largest health sciences cluster in the country. And um, we are already celebrating the 10th anniversary of um, the Children's Hospital, which is really amazing. And the growth that has happened there in the last 20 years since the Van Andel Institute started really is amazing as well. So um, it's been a great project. Um, I want to thank everybody again and um, the City Commission and all of you for your leadership and your collaboration to get this project over the finish line. And um, I want to thank you uh, personally also for all the collaboration and great work we've done together during my 33 years as CEO uh, of The Right Place. And I wish everybody all the best uh, going forward with all the success the city is yet to enjoy. Thank you, Bergen. I'm gonna add my thanks and all of our thanks to you for your incredible work in the community over the last 33 years. Uh, we have so appreciated your partnership and, and really you being a champion for our community. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, any questions before I open it up for public comment? All right, we'll go ahead and open up this opportunity to speak on, on these public hearings. Uh, Dan, do we have anyone in the queue? Here comes the first caller, Mayor. Thank you. Caller, you're on with the City Commission. You have three minutes. Please state your name and the city in which you live. Your time starts now. I'm Kellen Martin. I live in Grand Rapids. Um, good afternoon or good evening. In this public hearing, I'd like to express my opposition towards Perigo obtaining a 12-year industrial facilities tax exemption, as well as a 12-year new personal property exemption through creation of an industrial development district. As the Grand Rapids commissioners and others surely know, Perigo is legally headquartered in Ireland, specifically for tax evading purposes. They have played the game of tax evasion for so long, and they have the resources to be able to search out all these avenues of tax reduction. Perigo as a company did the same thing that they are doing here in Grand Rapids for their Holland expansion. Specifically, they were able to obtain a 12-year long industrial facilities tax exemption. What's more, in Grand Rapids, they are applying um, for the 12-year personal property tax exemption. All in all, this will allow Perigo to skirt $4.1 million in taxes, while the workers of the company are still expected to pay their taxes in full. 
I understand that Michigan as a state is the ability for companies to apply for these specific exemptions. I am in no way saying that this should not happen. It is entirely legal. I am asking for the commission to not consider 12 years of exemptions for this company that doesn't pay U.S. taxes or is not headquartered in the U.S. Um, and instead reduce the length of time that these tax exemptions occur. This is entirely within your right as commissioners to grant, and it would allow the city of Grand Rapids and Michigan to be able to collect vital tax revenue that would um, instead go to the uh, workers of Grand Rapids. And uh, as Ron stated, the location of 400 Monroe is incredibly desired, especially by a company like Perigo. That means that you're able to bargain with Perigo with the people's interest in mind. By allowing a 12-year industrial facilities tax and new prop personal property exemption to pass, you are not bargaining in the interest of the people. Finally, I would like to say that even if there is precedent towards giving a company a 12-year tax break, we are entering into a time in which the government must respond to the needs of people more than ever. And 12 years is too long to be uh, an immediate response. Thank you, Alan, my time. Thank you, caller. Caller, can you please lower the volume on your device? Can you please lower the volume on the device that you're watching on? Yeah, of course. Thank you. You have three minutes. Please state your name and the city in which you live. Your time starts now. Go ahead, caller. Hi, my name is uh, Jazz Byersalo. I'm a resident of resident of the first ward. Um, I'm calling regarding the uh, tax exemptions um, for Perigo. Um, I just wanted to speak to my representatives about, who probably know really well, the struggles that many local municipalities have had across Michigan um, in the last few decades due to the way in which our municipalities are funded um, and how so many communities have lost democratic control over their municipalities due to um, quote-unquote financial crisis. And um, when we do consider these things, and I'm, I want to say that um, I'm not necessarily saying that um, I don't want Perego to be a part of our growing medical uh, district. Um, I'm not saying that, um, and, and like the previous caller said, like they're well within their rights to be able to take advantage of these things that the state offers as an incentive. Um, but I want to, as we inevitably run into the precipice of uh, loss, the consequences of the lost tax revenue in the middle of a pandemic that has crushed our economy, I want my representatives to consider the consequences of a 12-year property tax exemption um, on the future of our public parks, on the future of all the things that um, us as residents appreciate um, and the people that help run our um, city facilities. And um, 
to uh, the representative of Perego. Um, I appreciated your presentation and I appreciate that you did select um, our city out of the three major uh, uh, cities involved. I would ask you also to consider while this may help your bottom line or help you uh, um, help your company um, save some money in this process, I would also consider that if you can pay this, that um, everything that the city could possibly make in terms of tax revenue now is um, will be um, greatly appreciated by its residents. Um, thank you, and that's all I have to say. Thank you, caller. Caller, you're on with the city commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Hi, my name is and I'm a resident of um, I wanted to emphasize the last two callers I want, uh, in agreement with them um, that we shouldn't support um, such a beautiful and key piece of real estate in our community being given to um, a corporation that is exercising such brazen um, disrespect for how we support each other through our government, which is through um, taxes. Um, and then secondly, I just wanted to call attention to, um, I know that this is a building that is along with um, Perigo and is in, con or in construction now or has been built. It's been a while since I've been downtown. The Doug Meyer um, Medical Innovation Building, that we have so many buildings in Grand Rapids that have the names of incredibly wealthy billionaire, uh, millionaire uh, white men on them. And in particular, um, especially with the events of last week, we now know that some of these um, uh, incredibly wealthy people who extracted their wealth from our community by evading taxes um, spent some of that wealth supporting white supremacist um, violence that occurred, has been occurring for many years, but continues to occur and um, erupted this last weekend or this last week in our capital. And I would just um, request a, a, a corporation that's trying to appeal to as many people as possible, like Perigo, to think about um, positioning themselves with people um, that supported a regime in the Trump regime that led to a pandemic that has killed, you know, it's going to be close to half a million Americans when we're done. And as a corporation that's trying to promote health, I think um, being so present near so many of these buildings that have these um, fervent Trump supporters with their names on them um, is noteworthy. Uh, and I know I myself might uh, think that uh, twice about um, supporting a corporation who made that sort of choice. Um, and that's all for now. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Caller, you're on with the city commission. Can you please lower the volume on your device? Yes, Thank I you. can. Can you all hear me? We um, can, yes. You have three minutes. Please hello. state your name and the city in oh. which you live. Your time starts now. Sure. Hi, my name is Jeremy Tong. I'm a nurse and I live in Grand Rapids. I work in Grand Rapids. Uh, I'm calling to kind of reiterate the same kind of statements that were um, our last callers had spoken to. Um, I don't want to completely reiterate everything that everyone was saying, but um, in terms of the um, the current situation, in terms of the 12-year um, tax exemption for Perigo, um, I just hope that our city commissioners 
um, will be able to kind of bargain a little bit more for um, the people of Grand Rapids. Um, and being that, I mean, since we have such a, you know, so much growth in Medical Mile, I don't see a reason why Perigo would withdraw, um, you know, creating this new headquarters here uh, if there was, uh, you know, less time or less exemptions given. Um, I just think with the COVID-19 um, pandemic that's happening right now, uh, this, we, you know, we need all the taxes that um, we would be able to get from um, any company. Um, also, I just want to thank the city commissioners uh, for their time and for holding this meeting, for inviting us to make public comment, and thank Perigo for, um, allow, you know, making that presentation that was very informative as well. Um, but just, you know, please keep fighting for us, for the taxpayers, and, um, you know, supporting our community. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Pollard. Mayor, there are no more callers in the queue. Okay, thank you, Daniel. We'll go ahead and close that opportunity for public comment and that'll be referred back to the Committee of the Whole. All right, next that will take us to our last scheduled public hearing tonight. This is a public hearing to consider uh, zoning ordinance text amendments affecting the traditional business area or known as TBA and commercial zone districts. Uh, so to get us started tonight, I'll turn to our planning director, Ms. Turkelson. Uh, and again, give her an opportunity to provide some background on this. I'll see if any of you have any questions and then we'll open it up for public comment. Uh, Ms. Turkelson. Good evening, Mayor. Thank you, Commission. I believe Mr. Canfield. There he is again. Thank you. On September 15th, a proposed text amendment to the city's zoning ordinance. The presentation was lengthy, thorough. Uh, it included a summary of the amendment, an explanation on the reasons why the planning department is recommending this change and the potential impacts of the change itself. In sum, the proposed amendment will provide greater flexibility in the ground floor use requirements within the TBA and commercial zone districts. Next slide, please, Lou. The graphic on the left-hand side of the slide helps visually explain the changes. Within the TBA and the commercial zone districts, ground floor residential would be permitted by permitted with the administrative approval. Within the TBA zone district, ground floor offices were, would be permitted, a permitted use when the building does not front on a primary street or the use is at least 20 feet back from the primary street. And we would continue the requirement of special land use when the use is at least is within 20 feet of the primary street. Next slide. The proposed amendment would also eliminate the bonus height structure that is applicable to the P TBA zone district without increasing the overall allowed height. So if approved building heights, about, about, excuse me, if approved building heights of up to four stories would be permitted without a bonus height structure. Slide. Next slide. So this amendment is being put forward for consideration for several reasons, but at the core of it is the need to align development interests with the community's needs, market conditions, and code requirements. We know that the impact of the current health crisis has intensified an already challenging commercial market. We have now quantified, quantified the critical need for housing units generally and affordable housing units specifically. The Planning Department and Planning Commission recommend these amendments as we believe that they will provide the needed changes to support our community. So thank you, Commissioners, for your consideration on this matter and available for questions. Thank you, Ms. Turkelson. Uh, let's see, maybe we can take the 
PowerPoint down so I can see everybody. Uh, commissioners, any questions or comments for Ms. Turkelson? Okay, seeing none, we'll go ahead and open this up for public comment. So again, you can call 456-3000 or 311, hit number one, and then number four. <laughs> All right, Daniel, do we have uh, anyone who wishes to be here? Not at this here. Okay, so we'll give it, uh, I'll, I'll turn to our city clerk so that he can tell me when uh, we've caught up with online. We are caught up now. Okay, thank you. Daniel, is there anyone in the queue? No, ma'am. All right, we'll go ahead and close this public comment period. Commissioners, I know that we've received um, quite a bit of written feedback on this item, uh, and so make sure that you're able to see those uh, comments as well. Again, you can, if you didn't call in tonight on one of these public comments, comment periods, uh, public hearings, you're welcome to email the full city commission. Yeah, there'll be, right. oh, Mayor, just so you know, there'll be, there's five public, um, comments from the public that'll be on next meeting's agenda. So in showing support, so. Okay, great, thanks. All right, commissioners, that will take us to our last opportunity for public comment. Uh, this is public comment on any other item. Uh, and I'll turn to Daniel to see if we have anyone in the queue. Here comes the first caller. Thank you, Daniel. Caller, you're on with the city commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes, your time starts now. Uh, yes, my name is Michael Hayataka. I live in Grand Rapids. Uh, this is my first time participating in a public hearing in Grand Rapids. I regret it took so long, uh, but I was driven here by the inhumane treatment I see happening to marginalized people in my city, perpetuated most commonly by pressure from the police, uh, who have contributed to make Michigan one of the worst cities to be black in America. I'm calling in regards to the eviction of many unhoused from Hearthside in December. Um, it seems crazy to me that that happened because in 2017, the Heartside Quality of Life study was conducted by residents of the Heartside neighborhood along with city officials and local organizations. Within this study, they listed a vision statement that said, our neighborhood will be a safe, cooperative place where our diverse interests and lifestyles can coexist with, coexist with mutual respect. What happened? Your actions last month despicably contradict your own mission statement. Uh, another goal in the study was to become a place where this is, where there is dignity for those who have a disability, are experiencing homelessness, facing unemployment, or struggling with mental illness. Again, what happened? Last month, you despicably contradicted your own mission statement. Um, we are defined by how we, uh, how we treat the least fortunate of us, uh, not by how the most fortunate of us live. Justice for Black Lives has created a petition to turn Heartside into an urban campground. I urge you to move, this, uh, move towards this direction in an attempt to actually serve the people of the city. Uh, and just a reminder, the Kent County Health Department never gave the city an order to remove the unhoused from Heartside. So basically, uh, yeah, the police just went in there and evicted people uh, by lying about the timeline and without any ordinance <laughs> from anybody. Uh, I wish you guys would do better. That's my time. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Caller, you're on with the City Commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Hello, my name is Jesse, and I am a lifelong resident of the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm calling in regards to the same thing as the last caller, the eviction of many unhoused from Heartside in December. 
The city of Grand Rapids claims to have a homeless outreach team called the HOT Team, but they were not present on Monday, December 21st, when the city police evicted the unhoused from the Heartside Park. Um, and they were all on vacation, uh, to which I will say, first of all, there's a global pandemic, which affects people of color disproportionately. And by traveling for the holiday, the hot team knowingly endangered Americans of color and selfishly left their charges without any support from the city. It's their, it's, it's their job to be involved with operations like this. And the city needs to reevaluate its relationship to the unhoused and our unhoused people of our city. Um, uh, again, there is a petition uh, for uh, a camp, a urban campground um, by the same uh, group as the last caller said, Justice for Black Lives. And I would urge um, my commissioners to move in the direction and attempt to facilitate the safety of our houseless citizens. They're people who need our help, not our abuse, and they don't deserve to be swept aside. And that's my time. Thank you, caller. Caller, can you please lower the volume on your device? Thank you. Please state your name, the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Hello, my name is Allie, and I'm the president of Just for Black Lives and a citizen of Grand Rapids. Um, I'm calling in regards to the unjust eviction of the unhoused community in Heartside Park. First off, I'd like to say how deeply disgusted I am with the city of Grand Rapids. Not only did you forcibly remove the unhoused community from a park that was literally made for them, you also lied about why you were doing it. This entire time, you used the fact that you had an order of removal from the health department to justify what was being done, when the entire time you never had one to begin with. Sarah Simmons is the environmental health director at the Kent County Health Department. And she said all she was asked to do was an inspection and that she never wrote an order of removal, nor would she have suggested one in the first place. You know why? Because we're literally in a pandemic and the last thing y'all should be worried about is the unhoused community's encampment. What y'all need to be worried about is the fact that the community has done nothing, has been doing more for the unhoused than the quote-unquote hot team has done this entire time without the budget. How can the homeless outreach team be on vacation the day you forcibly remove the unhoused from the park? That makes absolutely no sense. And the excuse of, oh, it's a public health issue with no bathrooms and people using the bathrooms outside, it's complete BS when you are all the ones that refuse to open up the bathrooms for them to use, despite saying it was a priority back in 2017 with the Heartside Quality of Life study. I cannot fathom how the city can gentrify one end of town for one, for more people to move in while also pushing our unhoused community on the other end. So for, once again, shame on you all for sitting by and watching this happen. You cannot just sweep them under the rug that they are nothing, they are human beings. I yield my time. Thank you, Paula. Caller, you're on with the city. Hello, caller. Hello. Hi, yes. Can you please state your name and the city in which you live? You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Good evening, city leaders. My name is Kristen Green, and I live in Howard City, but do volunteer work in Grand Rapids. And I wanted to start by saying welcome back. 
and I hope you had a restful holiday, warm, secure, and safe in your homes this year. I also hope you try not to feel too guilty about the trauma you inflicted on the most vulnerable members of our community during that vacation. But the holiday is over now, and you have some explaining to do. Why is it that you and I would expect to receive 30 days eviction notice, which you think is suitable to give the unhoused three days notice, giving people with less resources than you and I a tenth of the time to find adequate housing? How cowardly and convenient of you to drop this on them and run. This 72-hour notice was delivered on Friday, December the 19th at about 3.40 p.m., right? Just before your office is closed, if you can be reached, leaving little time to dispute it, let alone allow for people to make adequate arrangements. You are lucky that there are people out there like me and my friends that take care that care enough to desperately search for alternatives and who gave their time and money out of their own pockets to arrange for food, U-Hauls, propane, and other necessities that the city is too cheap or too cold to assist with. Many of those who donated are unemployed themselves. You created this PR project called the Hot Team in order to look like you are with it. But where are... But where are they on forced removal day? You have employed a social worker to assist this team. So what was her plan for these people? Your hot team was on vacay during the forced removal. Instead, of the, instead, the Grand Rapids goons took care of this. Intimidating citizens, following them and their helpers, and trashing people's belongings. If you don't believe it, perhaps they should turn on their body cams so you can have some accountability, despite the lies you told me. Not only are you heartless, but you're incompetent too. And although I have a bucket full of examples where you dropped the ball and failed to respond appropriately in this matter, I wanted to point out what happened today. As I'm sitting eating lunch with my children, I received a cell phone call from a stranger who said he got my phone number from tonight's city agenda meeting. When I looked, I saw everyone who emailed or called you about Heartside the Heartside issue had their names, phone numbers, and even their home addresses in the agenda, all for the public to see. I'm not sure what time you're Caller, living in, but I don't appreciate such minutes. a breach. Thank you, Caller. It that's almost feels minutes. intentional. That's Your behavior minutes. on this matter Thank as you, a Caller. whole. Caller, you're on with the City Commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Um, Mr. Hondorp, can I ask a clarification question? Um, I, this is Maggie Smith and I spoke earlier. Am I still allowed to speak now because the other was a different public you, hearing? You spoke at a public hearing? Yes. Yes, you may speak on this topic. I'll reset your time. You have three minutes, Maggie. Go ahead now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is Maggie Smith from the third ward and I'm calling um, because I believe in but also was requested to call by the um, Justice for Black Lives group doing incredible work in our community. And in addition, another work, or another group that I work with, um, defund the GRPD group. And I want to underscore the last callers that you've heard, the um, egregious uh, lack of justice, housing justice in particular, but justice wholesale that people in our community who are unhoused are experiencing at Hartside Park 
and elsewhere. Um, we have a very, uh, a city that has incredible resources and we can move um, mountains when we want to, when we want to bring uh, pair go headquarters here um, or develop jobs that may look good on paper. Um, but jobs are not people and jobs can help people. Um, but because we have an employer-based system and that's how we provide people with some of their basic human rights, like healthcare, in some cases, the affordability um, to buy housing, we sometimes focus on those jobs. And I'm one of those people that is disappointed as the last callers were, and I wanna um, amplify their voices in uh, my leadership now. Um, I listened to part of and read reports on the other part of the commission of, commission, uh, excuse me, committee of the whole meeting um, this morning. I saw very little uh, reports of urgency about the crisis in um, the unhoused people in our community. Um, I know that from my experience working with people uh, in this last week or two, um, delivering uh, supplies um, through a friend who is close to people that are in the unhoused areas of our community, um, that the reports uh, from Connie Bohatch were uh, considered um, not accurate as to what has happened at Heartside. Um, and I, I'm disappointed. I'm remembering, I think it was in late October that uh, we were told about the possibility for creative solutions, potentially even radical solutions to address some of these crises in our community. and. Um, I'm not seeing any of that. And I hope that in your final comments, you focus not just on how you as our leadership are going to take action today, tomorrow, and as we move forward to help these people that are unhoused. And then also the ongoing issue of defunding the Grand Rapids Police Department and dealing with the white supremacy that is um, very present within the police department and throughout our community. Thank you, bye. Thank you, Paula. Caller, you're on with the City Commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. My name is Michelle Truskowski. I'm from Northeast Grand Rapids. And I wanted to read a statement. In 2006, the FBI began an investigation into white supremacist infiltration of the police and military. Now Donald Trump has fanned the flames of insurrection against this country. On January 6th, the whole world witnessed a moment in which thousands of mostly white people stormed the Capitol, broke windows, destroyed government property, and left five dead. An investigation into the U.S. Capitol's police suspected involvement with a domestic terrorist who illegally stormed the Capitol last week has drawn attention to the infiltration of white supremacists in the ranks of both law enforcement and the American military. We see a stark difference in the police response to this event and that of the Black Lives Matter peaceful protest. The purpose of Black Lives Matter protests is to stop the brutality and killing of black men and women at the hands of law enforcement. They were, they were labeled terrorists and confronted with armed and militarized police officers, tear gas, shot with rubber bullets, endured beatings and mass arrests. There is no better evidence than this that shows that police departments all over the country are racist and should be investigated for their ties with white supremacist organizations. Defunding police means that the city needs to do the work necessary to root out white supremacists within the department and finally address the poverty in Grand Rapids. 
the city manager, mayor, and commissioners must begin to respond to the constituents of the city who overwhelmingly want this police force funded. Regardless of all the excuses why this couldn't happen, we learned today that through creative accounting, their budget remains intact. Mark Washington made sure that didn't happen. You would think that having a black city manager and a police chief that every effort would be made to protect all of our citizens. I yield my time. Thank you, Paula. Caller, you're on with the city commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Hi, uh, this is Jeremy Tong again, uh, nurse in Grand Rapids. I just wanted to uh, second the opinions of a lot of the previous callers regarding the injustice that went down in um, just a couple of days before Christmas in Hartside Park. Um, I also want to thank um, a lot of the community members who I know are on this call right now um, who have put in so much time, effort, money, resources into taking care of um, houseless people who were living in the park. Um, it's just so sad to me that the city created the hot team um, with the fire and police department to serve this community. And it's so clear that it's members of the community who have no funding, um, who uh, may be unemployed themselves are the ones who are taking care. You know, it's, it's us who have to take care of each other. Uh, I'd just like to see kind of um, if we're going to have something like the hot team, them really work in the best interests of these people. I mean, um, when I was down there myself, I was talking to individuals and they were saying, I just want somewhere to go. You know, it could even be a parking garage. I just want somewhere where I know I can be, where I can be safe. And that's a human right that we all deserve, you know. So I'm definitely in support of this petition to make Heartside into an urban campground. It's not the perfect solution, but it's a much better solution now than telling someone there's nowhere to go or to put them into the uh, a shelter where they may be barred from or they may you know they're high risk for contracting covid it's um i'm just kind of speaking off the top of my head right now about how i feel um thank you again for all the community members who have put in so much time and resources into this effort uh, i yield my time thank you caller Caller, you're on with the City Commission. Please state your name and the city in which you live. You have three minutes. Your time starts now. Hey, my name is Jim Spaulding, um, and I uh, I live in Holland, although I lived in Baxter neighborhood for 10 years, and uh, I'll probably end up moving back to Grand Rapids in the next uh, few months here. Um, Mayor Bliss, uh, you and I met at the uh, Bridge Magazine birthday party a couple years ago when I was uh, running the Prop 2 petition to end gerrymandering in Michigan that was successful. It was really awesome. We did a great deal of organizing. Uh, I'm calling because uh, something I've started since then um, has been greater participating uh, in um, some of these more local conversations, specifically about issues like housing. Um, and uh, if you talk to some of the uh, city council members in Ann Arbor, um, I'm, I'm sure they'll have things to say about me, although um, pretty friendly with Chris Taylor over there. Um, but 
Anyway, um, I just wanted to say that when it comes to um, figuring out how to help our homeless, our houseless neighbors, uh, you, like a city council, a city commission, a city government effectively has lost if they decide to, to do a sweep. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of you know language getting thrown around here. I think a lot of it's pretty clear. Um, it should be seen as unacceptable, um, definitely with the Heartside study in mind, um, but also looking at other places like Kalamazoo and other cities that have found humane approaches that don't involve those sweeps and at a minimum aren't just absolutely terrible press that inspire activists to call in to meetings like these. Although um, when it comes to what I do, I, I guess on some weird level, I appreciate uh, uh, you, you providing a reason why folks uh, should have a more of a call to action to participate in local government. Um, I really just wanted to make the point that if there's a way that the city can find to not do these homeless sweeps, especially in the middle of a pandemic, it'll probably be good for everybody uh, when it comes to elections moving forward. So. Thanks a lot uh, to the commission for giving me a chance to speak. I yield my time. Thank you, caller. Mayor, there are no more callers in the queue. All right, thank you, Daniel. We'll go ahead and close that opportunity for public comment. And I will turn to my colleagues. Uh, I'll start tonight with Commissioner Jones. Thank you, Mayor. I just simply want to wish all of my colleagues a very happy new year. Uh, there's no doubt that we uh, have much on our plate in this upcoming year, uh, but I'm sure all of you join me in being grateful and thankful that we were able to uh, put 2020 in the past. And so here's to uh, a, uh, what, what could be a rather difficult year, Here, here's to uh, our ability to, uh, to fight through and do whatever we can to uh, provide uh, a more abundant life those who call Grand Rapids home. So thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner O'Connor. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I shared Commissioner Jones's uh, optimism about uh, 2021, hopefully being a, a much uh, more positive uh, opportunity for all of us, as well as all the people here in Grand Rapids. Uh, you know, I'm really hopeful with uh, the vaccine uh, here and folks starting to get that in our community, uh, that, that's gonna help us turn a corner and hopefully find some brighter days ahead uh, as we uh, continue to navigate all this uh, uncertainty. So uh, look forward to working with all of you. Hopefully someday we'll all be uh, back in a building together, having these conversations on a dais with a, a real public in front of us. Uh, and until then, we'll keep doing it this way. Yeah, thanks commissioner, appreciate that. Uh, commissioner Rappert. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. I just want to appreciate, especially appreciation for everybody called in tonight uh, for their care, concern, and solidarity for those who are really suffering in this time. The suffering continues greatly for so many in our community, and uh, we appreciate you reaching out to us. I do just want to highlight the the approval of about 300 new affordable housing units that are hopefully going to be built in the next 18 to 24 months here in town. And 78 of those are for people of 30% AMI and below. So um, that was that was kind of buried in our fiscal committee today. But what a what a great step forward if those projects do come forward uh, to begin to to perpetuate some long-term solutions to some of these these uh, 
these problems that are persisting in our neighborhoods. Uh, so thanks again for calling in. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner. Well said, and I'm glad you elevated those uh, projects that were before us today. Uh, Commissioner Isasi. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just want to say, yes, it was, uh, I share the sentiments as well and look forward to um, the time that we can be together. I do thank everyone for calling in. I know we got a number of emails during the holiday. You know, I think that, you know, I, I'm the, the newest on the commission and it is disheartening to hear the calls because I know that everyone around this dais, even if we don't always agree, we might not always vote in the same way. I know that everybody around this virtual table has the utmost care and compassion for people who are experiencing homelessness in the city. Um, I know our staff does. Um, you know, I, I thank those on the executive team who I had a lot of calls back and forth with our city manager that week of the Christmas holiday and you know, a lot of people just calling to share the sentiments. And I think we have some opportunities, um, maybe around communication, maybe around looking for ways to make sure that those who are experiencing homelessness um, can be part of that forefront of ensuring that affordable housing or be part of that change. So I'm very hopeful for that. Um, I think that we are all inside, we're frustrated. You know, unfortunately, somebody that is very close to me is experiencing homelessness right now, working through that. It is not, it's it's not what we want this community to be about. And so I just, I, I thank people for calling, sharing their sentiments. Um, I thank the city manager again for, for, you know, making sure that there was nobody who was arrested. There was not um, this criminalization of poverty that we talk about around this table quite a bit. And I think we all know, we've said it actually in that last meeting in December that, the solution to people experiencing homelessness is more housing, and we will continue to work around that. And thank you, Commissioner Rappart, for bringing that forward. Um, so, um, you know, we'll end this lat this first meeting of this next year, and um, I hope everyone has a good evening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Moody. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, it's good to see all of you. Uh, this new year of 2021. I hope uh, that all of you had an opportunity to rest and get ready for what's ahead of us. Uh, I appreciate all the callers that have called in. Uh, I definitely can sympathize with them. I had a brother who was homeless for 21 years living under a bridge in Grand Rapids and slept outside on many nights. And uh, many nights in the winter, I had to go find him and bring him to my home so that he would have shelter. So I, I understand uh, their, their, their feelings, but I also understand that we as commissioners have an obligation for their safety, and I think that's important. Um, I want to uh, thank Mr. Fritz and Mrs. Claron for that uh, citizen's guide uh, that we talked about in Kyle today. Uh, that was a wonderful presentation. It was very simple, easy to read, and I think that the community will get uh, a lot out of it. Uh, it really gives full details as to what our city is about and what we do and how we handle our finances. So I really appreciate that. Not that I don't appreciate the big comprehensive book with all the financial reports, but that was very simple and to the point. And uh, uh, I know that we have a lot going on this year. I appreciate
appreciate the fact that we do have some developments that's taking place with housing and uh, appreciate that uh, development with Amplified Grand Rapids and hopefully they will bring more jobs to our third ward. Uh, and I hope that this pandemic will leave us so that we can get on with uh, changing our, our negative dynamics and bring in more positive things that we may move forward to improve ourselves as a city, as a community itself. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Moody. Commissioner Lanier. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thanks to everyone for their comments during the public hearing, as well as um, during public comment. And I think, Commissioner Isasi, I think your comments um, were really good, thoughtful comments regarding um, how do we how do we communicate a very complex problem in a way that helps everybody to understand what's the challenges that we are, I think we are all facing um, with how to address this, this challenging problem. And I think that's, I see communication as the challenge because um, somehow, at least with the information that we have, it doesn't seem to translate well on how it's being disseminated to the public. And I think, but to, to Commissioner Isasi's point, I don't think anyone is intentionally saying and doing things in order to cause harm, but the um, exact opposite, but to, to try and prevent. Um, and I think city manager, you said it earlier today, what happened in Lansing from happening in Grand Rapids. And I think we, the, the challenge that we have with um, um, those who are um, faced with homelessness is that we don't have enough housing um, and that we are in a situation where new people are um, becoming unhoused, unfortunately, in our city and in our region. And, um, and I know since I've been, since the first year on the commission, this has been one of the challenges that we've had many committees, many groups, and we've spent a lot of money um, trying to address housing in our city and partnering with organizations who are trying to bring housing and elevating the need for affordable housing. And so I think there's so many layers to this problem and, and it is complex and I'm just hopeful that we can figure out a way to, to help people to understand that um, what we did do, um, which was to provide shelter, was the best that we knew to do with the limited time that we had in front of us. And that um, that isn't the end and that um, prior to COVID, um, the city manager had been already having conversations about the creation of a hot team and recognizing that there was a need to address homelessness in our city. And, and so um, what, what COVID did was, what I believe is um, forced us to, to address and create the hot team sooner than what we had planned, um, but in still trying to address the concerns. And I, you know, I think, um, but there are also lessons to learn. And because it's new and because these are experiences that we have not had in the past and because the hot team is a new creation, which I think is helpful for us to address homelessness um, going forward. You know, there were things that I would say um, as we were um, 
doing implementing some of the the program that we have before us that we probably would do differently. Um, I know that through the report that came from the county, there was a lot um, of information about the porta potties and and the trash and things of that nature. And, and the city manager has recently talked about the increase in in the budget to try and address some of those things. So I think I think we just need to call it what it is. It's it's us trying to to do the best we can with with quite frankly something that's more complex than just um, telling people to leave a park, but there, there, there are so many layers and you can't force people into shelter and that there will be people making a decision to want to remain outdoors and that you can't, you can't force people. And, and it's just so complex. And I, you know, I don't know that there's an expert that does this. And I think that's part of why the hot team um, was created because you need people from different sectors trying to address this very complex issue. So I'm appreciative of, of the work that has been done. I sympathize with the stories that we're hearing about the personal experiences that people have faced. Um, I'm grateful that thus far in, in, in Grand Rapids winters, which is quite mild, um, that we have not had any tragedies. And I'm hopeful that this is just the beginning of, of a process that potentially could have better outcomes and better results for those who are unhoused in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lanier. And I appreciate you um, also highlighting the fact that we are working on, that's a very multi-pronged comprehensive approach and, and we're all concerned about individuals um, particularly because of the pandemic and individuals who've lost their jobs, uh, that they're experiencing really significant unstable housing. And that's related to our work around eviction prevention and rental assistance. And uh, so we know that this is a serious issue and, and we all made it one of our top priorities uh, when we had our recent planning retreat. Uh, so it's an issue that uh, we know is urgent and we will continue to work on and our city staff are working diligently on this. So thank you for saying that. All right, I'll turn to our appointed officials. Uh, I'll start with Joel. Thank you, Mayor, Commissioner. Happy New Year. Um, happy non-election year. Um, so, to, but the elections are, as we know, are still, are not completely not over. What's that? Sorry. The, um, the, but the, the, the 2020 election is still going on because we are in the middle of um, audits still. Put on by the state, so we we had a we had a procedural audit that was done um, a few weeks before um, the holidays. Actually, Grand Rapids was not selected state in the statewide poll, but um, the county clerk and I decided to um, to audit a precinct from City of Grand Rapids just so we can, you know, allay the things that we hear. And um, as we're seeing through procedural audits throughout the state, the um, the vote tallies on the paper ballots match what was tabulated and what was reported. Um, that, that's the first thing. The next, the next line of audits that are going on right now is a risk limiting audit. So the, the state is doing a risk limiting audit. So what they're doing is they're doing a random sample pull of 18,000 ballots around the state. So over the next few days, my staff and I will be um, pulling 341 random ballots out of the, um, we have to count down a certain number in each ballot bag and find out who the, who the vote for president was on that ballot. And that that's the hope to show that um, that sample will show that the um, 
our paper ballots match what's tabulated and what's been reported. So that's just a um, so a continuing to let the public know and voters know that their votes were um, properly counted um, two months ago. So that's so we we continue to um, monitor you know the the election process. So um, just because we did our work two months ago, we're still auditing and making sure that the vote was um, proper. That's it. Thank you, City Clerk. Uh, City Attorney. Thank you, Mayor. Just to concur with everything that the commissioners have said and our seriousness of, um, we take serious this issue of our unhoused community. And so we're committed as a law department to do everything that we can in working with staff um, to work towards, you know, um, more uh, improved outcomes in this issue. As Commissioner Lanier said, it's very complex. It didn't get here overnight and it won't resolve overnight, but we're extremely committed in all the action that we took. We didn't take it lightly. We took it with con great compassion. We followed the law. We did um, everything that we could within the guidelines and the, the protocols and went above, actually above and beyond those guidelines. And um, I, I would like and wish and encourage our community, um, Ms. Bohash at the um, Committee of the Whole did an excellent, I think, presentation that represents a lot of the work that we did um, towards this. Thank you. Thank you, City Attorney. Uh, City Manager. Thank you, um, Mayor and Commissioners, and Happy New Year uh, again, everyone. I want to um, echo a lot of the sentiments that were said today. This is a, certainly a a city attorney said very complex issue, but one that we did not attempt to do the work alone uh, that we did confer, consult, work with some of our community partners who um, worked in the mental health space and behavioral health space, as well as uh, providing services to uh, the unhoused community. And I wanna thank everyone for their, their effort, as well as community members that we had the chance to talk to. And, and uh, we are not going around in every city uh, park or every, across the city doing sweeps. This was an unusual circumstance. And I don't want to continue um, not to comment on it, but uh, the, the circumstances were very dangerous uh, to the members that were uh, that were living in the park as well as um, from both the physical as well as the environmental in terms of weather. And, and I'm, I'm, I am happy that we were fortunate that we didn't experience what happened in Lansing. But Toward solutions, I do uh, again want to thank the commission for the work today on approving those uh, six projects that will create the 300 units of housing potentially that uh, Commissioner Repard mentioned. But it will also result uh, if the pilots um, are, are implemented uh, of additional $50,000 a year that will flow in to a housing fund. So that's additional resources. And as Commissioner Lanier said, we also have significantly increased our sanitation effort around uh, cleanliness uh, due to COVID because we know that there were more people uh, in outside areas and activated areas and the porta potty, the spend a day, if you go back in fiscal, look at spend a day on, on the porta potties, it's gone from 20,000 a year to almost 200,000. So um, I appreciate the work that's been done, especially um, with the public hearing on, on the zoning and using ground floor retail uh, potentially as a housing solution. We have a lot of work to do, but I, I do believe that uh, we are 
approaching it from all angles and do what we what we can. I also want to just take a moment uh, with the upcoming MLK holiday to um, wish everyone a happy MLK day. It is a little uh, challenging now with everything that's going on in the same month of MLK holiday that we've had the events from this past week, uh, which were supposed to be, um, uh, you know, in the spirit of MLK, we always look for these peaceful, um, nonviolent uh, acts of uh, protest, but the acts that we witnessed uh, there at the Capitol was just the opposite of, um, of those uh, sentiments from Dr. King and our American democracy. And I do want to say that um, I, along with many others around the dais, con condemn these acts of uh, intentional spread of disinformation that would cause uh, people to overreact. Uh, and it is our responsibility as government, uh, particularly leaders in government, to uh, combat the spread of, of, of disinformation when it intentionally gaslights people to cause harm. And what we should be looking at is an example of what happens in Washington as uh, the example for all states and cities and counties and villages to follow in what happened this past week was uh, certainly not that example. So um, while here locally, while we support peaceful constitutional rights, um, and we will always do that, whether or not uh, people have great passion and made uh, disagree with what we're doing. We will support your right to say it and right to disagree it, with it. But one of the things I want to make sure that we all do as a community that we do not inflammatorily uh, share information that's exaggerated to cause people to act in a way that would harm others. We want to make sure everything we do, we do is peaceful. So uh, thank you so much, Mayor, and I look forward to doing great things in this uh, 2021 year, and I want to thank the staff uh, for their continued work. We had a lot of staff members that worked tirelessly over the holiday, uh, even preparing for this meeting, but uh, continuing to respond to the needs of the public. And I so much appreciate the work that they do day in, day out. Thank you so much. Thank you, City Manager. And even though it'll look different this year, uh, there will be a number of events in our community, throughout our community, to honor uh, Martin Luther King Jr. So hopefully uh, you will take some time to um, pause and reflect on his life and legacy and what we can do to move that forward. Uh, and then and then two other things I'll add, and I, I won't repeat what everyone has said um, tonight. Uh, I appreciate the comments, uh, both from those of you around this virtual table as well as from the community. Um, but I do want to I do want to uh, highlight and encourage anyone still watching to uh, take a look at two things that we talked about today at Committee of the Whole, um, and one of them is the Consolidated Housing and Community Development Plan. So we'll be moving forward with that as a community. There are a number of priorities in that plan that are aligned with our hopes uh, in in what we would like to see accomplished. Uh, around housing uh, and access to housing in our community. So please take a look at that. Um, you'll have an opportunity to weigh in and give your feedback. Uh, and then also I wanna thank our city comptroller, Max France. Uh, this morning, he, in addition to the audit that was presented, he presented the Citizen's Guide to the City Finances. Uh, it's, a, it's a very thoughtful document um, that takes what can be a very complex budget and makes it easy to understand. Uh, so if you have questions about our budget, then I encourage you to take a look at that. So I wanna thank not just um, Mr. France, but I know we had a, a large team here at the city work on that. Uh, and hopefully that hopefully all of you will get a chance to 
to see that and review it and ask questions if you have them. Um, so with that, Commissioners, uh, Happy New Year. It's good to be back together. Uh, I echo what many of you have said, that I can't wait till we're back together in person uh, on, on the ninth floor in our chambers. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to do all those things that I think sometimes we took for granted uh, when we were together all day. And, and uh, so I look forward to that. So with that, I'll adjourn and you all have a good night.